right, welcome to Growing Together, a podcast of Central Presbyterian Church. This podcast is about learning to grow together as a family united to Jesus. So, in many ways, this podcast is not unlike being at a family dinner table, around a fire, or any other places families gather. So, welcome. Take a seat, and let's get going. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Growing Together. Uh, We're excited to explore what makes Central, Central. I'm Cole Lesher, and I'm a pastor of college and young adults here, and with me is Matt Woodson, Assistant Director of Student Ministry. Say hi, Matt. Hello there. And Pam Smith, who is in our communications department. Well, good morning. Oh, good morning. Yes, indeed, it is. Uh, And joining us today is our pleasure to have Julie Geis with us, who is our uh, Women's Ministry Director at Central. Say hello, Julie. Hey, everyone. Uh, you might notice we sound just a tad bit different today <laughs> because we are, weirdly enough, in person, in the same room with one another. I'm touching your hand right now. No, you're not. <laughs> this is COVID. You're not touching my hand. Uh, safely distanced, though. Thanks, Matt. Uh, we are not over Zoom, so buckle up. But it's good to be back again. And thanks for coming in and, and hanging out with us. And Julie, thanks for being with us. I guess before we get going into some of the questions, just briefly, how's everybody been? You know, it's been a little minute since we recorded the last. <laughs> it has been. Yeah. I know. It feels good to be in the same room and not looking at little boxes like Brady Bunch style. <laughs> but I think I may need to adjust to actually seeing you and hearing you in real time because this no lag is oh, yeah. amazing. <laughs> actually being able to make eye contact. I never thought I was going to miss that. At the very beginning of the pandemic, I remember thinking, I remember watching the Jetsons growing up, and I remember seeing, like, hey, they can make video calls and stuff. And I was like, that's so cool. I want to do that all the time. And then 2020 hits, I'm like, I never want to do a video call ever again. Yes, 100%. Not unless we get all the other Jetsons. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But where's the yeah. flying cars, Elon? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still pretty disappointed about the lack of flying cars. And hairstyles. It's, yes. yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, man. It's been an interesting, you know, we're hanging in there. We're still where we are, but it's been good to get things kicked off the church and good to get rolling with that. So, you know, Julie, you were hired after the start of this first season in many ways, especially the beginning of the recording of a lot of it. And so we're glad you can get included in this combo as well. What's it like having joined the staff in such a kind of weird time? I mean, the elephant in the room is always COVID. So uh, it's been a strange time. What's it been like in that regard? Well, the interesting thing was I started in late March of 2021, and everyone was still officing from home. And then as things kind of loosened up a little bit in the summer, the air conditioning was broke at the church, as you know. Um, So as things got more accessible, they also became more inaccessible because it was way too hot on the third floor. You know, so my first several months were a lot of virtual meetings and working from home. And that was hilarious because I had a very busy household and eventually called Tim Page and said, hey, my house is like an airport. I really need a place to work. (laughs) And so I got permission to work in the basement for a while. But in a sense, maybe it could be a good thing to start a new job. Hmm in a time like this because it did allow a lot of things to become more gradual mm-hmm. relationship building or you know adjusting to some of the routines you know i can see the good in it but it's been weird yeah it, 
It's interesting. I, I think Taylor Bruce kind of had the same kind of feel in being hired in the same kind of season that we're in and, yeah. and just being incrementally brought into stuff. But then also, uh, I mean, the difference between you and Taylor is you've been here a lot longer, which we'll talk about in a moment. But yeah, it's just kind of what is what is normal look like? And <laughs> we're going to figure that out. But, you know, yeah, yeah, I don't think any of us at this point normal has been thrown out the window. Now we get to do new stuff. Um, new normal. Okay. Well, I like new stuff. I oh. can't remember who the writer was, but they said, you know, normal is like before the fall in Eden. So the mm. real question for us is what's the new abnormal? Because <laughs> we're just going to go from one abnormal to another. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go ahead and write that down and use that in a bunch of I lessons. Know, we, <laughs> it's actually very good. We got deep theological it's just now. It's not my thought, but yeah, yeah. No, I like that. Yeah, normal, abnormal, back to normal, or better normal. I don't know. We'll see. Well, it's good that you're with us. I'm glad that we can have this conversation, and I'm looking forward for folks to know more about you and to know about what you do here uh, as well. Uh, but before we get all into the work side of it all, we'd love to just hear more about who is Julie Geis and maybe where do you come from? where was home what is home like now all those fun stuff just tell us a little about yourself well as you heard i live in an airport so um, (laughs) no um i love that question and i'm afraid of it at the same time um (laughs) i am thankfully a longtime member of our church but i haven't always lived here i was a military kid i moved Hmm. around a lot my dad was in the coast guard so i was born in Southern California and then lived for a time in Seattle and then ended up in New Orleans and that's where my dad retired. So it was always water, always water. Wherever we went, there was water. (laughs) And then after college, I worked for a campus ministry. I'm getting a little ahead of myself because my story with of the Lord's work in my life was a big part of that choice. But went back to California and that's where I met Pete. And in that very convoluted way, I ended up in St. Louis. Did you guys meet in college? No, we didn't. We met after college. So my college years were really interesting. I went to Louisiana State University. That was a crazy experience. My head was spinning a lot. Um, I'd been raised in a really beautiful way by a mom who was a new Christian. She was raised in a false religion. And through her dad's very difficult battle with cancer and subsequent death, her neighbor in Seattle drew near to her and walked through that with her. And my mom came to know the gospel. Wow. And that was just a powerful story. I did not have an experience as a child of a Christianity that was boring or rote in any way. It was very vibrant. But I was also the middle child and the only daughter and the one who, you know, got all the good grades and did everything right. And so, of course, I kind of developed some people-pleasing parts of my personality that led to a whole lot of spun-up confusion in college because I didn't know how to keep pleasing people and retain my faith. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So God really took me to a challenging place through a string of difficult circumstances. It's funny how suffering always, you know, is the thing we remember that was really the big part of our story. And I was working three jobs to stay in college because my dad had lost his job and I had roommates that were partying and I just felt so invisible to 
even myself. And Mm. the Lord just awakened my spirit in a moment of despair. And it was like a light switch turned on for me. Wow. I was all by myself. I was watching the pelicans over the lake near campus. And I just sought out whatever Christians I knew and said, I need help. I'm not in a good living situation. And in a few months time, I had moved and I was being discipled and I knew that God had taken hold of my life. So that was my turning point. That was sophomore year of college. And I often think about that because it was almost like all the scripture and all the values and even just the wonderful examples of following Jesus had been stored away and locked up in a part of my heart. And it took the Lord in his sovereign timing to just unlock that. And once it was released, it was like, wow, what was I thinking? What was I thinking before? But it wasn't about thinking. It was about the work of the Spirit. It's a supernatural act to be born again. Um, Well, it's amazing. I think my story is a lot like that in the sense of like hearing and getting kind of a taste of something and then feeling like it's a little dormant for a while or it's not quite sunk in and there's the process of it. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. That makes a whole lot more sense now. Or, man, life is really hard, and that's about the only answer I can have right now. Uh, And it's cool to be able to talk about process like that. Because I think sometimes in evangelicalism, we talk so much about conversion, um, momentary conversion, where it's like, all right, now I'm a Christian, and my life's changed, and I've never done anything bad. Or at least that's the kind of pretending nature of it all. But a lot of it is a process of coming to faith, and then it's years of being made newer and newer, already being made new, but then sanctification is a process as well. And I think that's really cool how the Lord met you in that moment. Uh, College is weird. Being a college pastor for a while was, you know, a lot of those moments where people are in their kind of deepest or darkest, they actually meet the Lord there more often than not, because it's just such a difficult spot. It's a pivotal time, and you're figuring out who you are and what you really care about. And and mistakes are part of that. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So if you don't mind me asking about college, you said you were part of a campus ministry? Yeah, it's called Crew now. Uh, I almost went on staff with Crew. Yeah, did you? Yeah. <laughs> I did not know we had that in common. Yep. That's really neat. Yeah. Yep. So I did join staff with Crew. It was really funny. My, the, the gal that discipled me in college, where she pulled me aside and she said, you know, you were the last person I expected to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. And I remember going, wow, wow really? But, you know, it showed, it revealed my pride. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you, you know, but the reality is, I mean, we're all just who we are by God's grace. But I did feel called and led to join staff. And that was a really great three-year experience for mm-hmm. me. I grew a lot, learned a lot. I spent two years at Stanford University, and that's where I met Pete. Oh, okay. And one year overseas in Kazakhstan. So I was at Kazgu, nice. which is their state university. I almost went in the mission field in Kazakhstan. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is the weirdest thing ever. Are we three just the same person? What is happening right now? Kazakhstan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Sometime I'll tell you how I learned to ski in Kazakhstan I, in a second language. That was oh, wacky. Wow. I would love all of that. <laughs> Wait, so do you speak, is it Kazakh or is it Russian or what is it? Yeah. So, sadly, I mean, I'm old. So, I went in 1992 and the culture had been so russified that the language mm-hmm. in Almaty at all the universities 
and in the cities was all Russian. Okay. In fact, many Kazakhs didn't even speak their own language at that mm. time. But while I was living there, they changed the official language back to Kazakh, and yeah. um, it's probably changed now, yeah. but I that's spoke amazing. Russian. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's, uh, yeah, we don't have time for the rest of that story, unfortunately. I really. <laughs> yeah, we got some small, we're going to have to have another podcast. <laughs> Well, tell us a little bit about your family and kind of your history here at Central. Well, you know, it's interesting. I um, I just love my husband so much. And when we were moving to the Midwest, I was like, okay, I'm giving up water. <laughs> so, we have the Mississippi, okay? That's exactly how I felt when my family moved here from Florida. <laughs> and so, so I was like... Is there, is there at least a church that's near a university? Because I had this image of, like, you know, cornfields. And, and so he was like, yeah, I know exactly where we're going to go. Because he had not grown up at Central, but he grew up, believe it or not, in high school with Jennifer Johnson and Doug Graham, who was a former pastor wow, here. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so he knew about Central and that they had had a very vibrant presence in St. Louis. And so that's how we ended up at Central. I actually spent about two and a half years working here at the church. I just didn't know what to do at first, and I wanted to meet people and get to know the community, and, and there was an admin assistant job available around the time we were deciding to make this our church, and I'm like, well, that's a way to meet people at Central. So, yeah. <laughs> so I worked for Tom Ricks, who was a pastor here, and then uh, eventually absorbed it into a full-time job where I did, I was called the network administrator back when everything was coax cable and oh, wow. there was a whole lot of wiring. I love that. I love that. Wiring. Watch out, Nelson. Wiring. I like that. <laughs> Great. So this was in the 90s. Um, How might you describe your job? Well, lots of wires. <laughs> you know, I... I mean, to be fair, that's how Nelson describes his job now. (laughs) (laughs) Nelson is probably much better at that job than I ever was. Were there like server racks and things like that? Yeah. Yes. And pieces, parts of all kinds of computers. And yeah, Yeah. it was crazy. But I did stay home once our kids started arriving and we have four. So that kind of kept happening. Hannah is our oldest and a lot of people know her because she helps lead with worship leading here and she just has a lovely voice and a joyful spirit. Sarah is my second born and she's my artsy introverted one who is hilarious if you get her to talk. And um, Mark is a junior at University of Tulsa. Can't believe he's a junior already. Yeah. So crazy. He has the most infectious smile I think I've ever seen. He smiles at someone, and I, at least for me, it just makes my day just to see his smile. But he's an engineering student, so that kind of affects his smile sometimes. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> he's also a cheerleader at University of Tulsa, and so he's getting wow. opportunities to do all of his crazy flips. And, <laughs> and I was going to say, both of yeah. your boys, I think sometimes they don't walk. They just do flips around yes. and yeah. move yeah. around that way. He thought about joining the circus before college. I could totally see that. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wanted him to do it, but then I didn't. (laughs) And then Stuart is the youngest. He's a senior in high school, so we are just about to be officially empty nesters. But I I have a feeling our house will still feel like an airport (laughs) because thankfully our kids like to be around us. So that's a good problem to have, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's great. Yeah. So that's my family. I love to cook, I love to be outside. 
And one thing that a lot of people might not know about me is I absolutely love public transportation. I think subways are some of the funnest things to do. When wow. I go to a new city, I almost always look for an opportunity to ride a subway. I just, I just think it's fun. What's your favorite line in the entire country? <laughs> oh, well, I will say nothing compares to Moscow. Really? Nothing. It is the most beautiful subway system you've wow. ever seen because under the Soviets, it was a public space. Some of them were like ballrooms. Some of them were like museums. And they would have themes. And so one is like white marble and another one has all these bronze statues. And it was a feast. Wow. So that might have something to do with why I fell in love with subways. Wow. Cool. That is so cool. Speaking of beautiful Moscow, what's your favorite thing about St. Louis? <laughs> <laughs> Not the Metrolink. <laughs> that barely goes underground. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It's um, it's okay, though. I, there are plenty of other things to love about St. Louis. I've been able to fall in love with everywhere that I've lived, but I think the, my favorite thing about St. Louis is just being in a place, because I grew up on the coasts, that has seasons. I'm one of those irritating people that when it's winter, I'm like, yay, snow. I don't mind. It's winter, you know, and because I grew up never having a real winter. It would yeah. rain. Louisiana is either hot and muggy or rainy. That's, you know, yeah. those are our seasons. So I love the seasons. And I also love the long-term relationships that I've built here because mm. before I moved to St. Louis, I'd never lived anywhere for, you know, more than... I don't know, six to eight years in my whole life. So to have friendships, you know who you are, my friends. <laughs> and, um, you know who aren't. No. That have spanned decades, like that is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So appreciative of that. Well, my final question in our first kind of get to know you section is what's something in your Google search history that tells us a little bit more about who Julie Geis is. I had to laugh. I was like, okay, so just in the last few days, I've Googled NCAA football. Nice. Tony Wards and Green Goddess Dressing. Nice. <laughs> so, so I don't so even know if I need to explain that. Between those. Yeah, do you kind of feel like that? I, I you see that? that and I'm like, yeah, that sounds like Julie. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. NCAA football is a, kind of the first on your mind. Like this year in particular, mm. I just I, I've lost the interest. That's and because you're a Tennessee fan. That has something to do no, with it. She's not doing so hot either. Um, but yeah, but my son's so. an NCAA Division One cheerleader. How cool! Yeah. I mean, that is cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it's it's great that you say that. There's hope out there in the world for NCAA fans. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, thanks for talking a little bit more about yourself. I think it's important for us to know each other. And I think sometimes when we think of staff, uh, folks who are working around the church, we know what they do, sort of, some of the times, yeah. We know some of the things they enjoy, or we assume some of the things that they like, these particular things, but we don't know like who they are and like where they come from and kind of like what kind of undergirds or is the foundation of why they act the way they act, why they love the things they love. And so I think uh, it's good for us to know these things. Each episode has been really awesome to be able to know more about, and I think it's been a blessing for all of us, so I appreciate your uh, candidness in that. But kind of the next section that we want to talk about is the work you do. 
we're thankful for the work you do, first of all. It's been great to kind of watch you get settled in and do this. But I would love just to know kind of what made you take this job of women's ministry? What gets you up in the morning because of this job? Hmm. You know, the why questions are always the most interesting, aren't they? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. When I was in college, they were always like, yeah, the word why is one of the most emotionally packed words you can use in communication. So I appreciate the question. And I will say that God has just given me a love and appreciation for the women of our church. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but when I was interviewing, I said, I don't want to be a women's ministry director. I want to be a women's ministry director at Central, but I'm not going to be going to look for this position somewhere else. This is my church, and I just feel so called to this congregation and these women. So there's that. And then I also really felt like a sense of, wow, God, you have prepared me for this. And I've been entrusted with some training and some experience, and I belong to God. So here I am. Yeah. Well, because you came from BSF. Yeah, so I had been involved with BSF, and we haven't even mentioned that part of my story, but that was a huge part of my story. It was really funny. In California, one of the ladies pulled me aside from our church out there before we moved here and said, you know, people move all the time that live in California. And they were like, the best thing you can do when you move to a new city is look for a BSF class because it's a great way to learn about good churches, and it's a great way to stay in the word while you're in transition. And that was great advice. So I came to Central first and I was like, "Um, do you know about a BSF class? And I remember there was a pastor here named Dave Elliott and he wrote down the name of Sally Canfield. And Sally and her husband, Bill, are long-term members and Bill was an elder and Sally's amazing. (laughs) And um, she at the time was a BSF teaching leader. So that was the beginning of about 20 years in BSF. And during that time, I got to learn and I got to receive a lot of really great training as a discussion leader and then an administrator and a substitute teaching leader and then a teaching leader. And those are all terminology words, but they just basically mean that I received some great experience and equipping in, in the scripture. That's great. Just a question. Now that I realize you've been part of two parachurch organizations, both BSF and Cruz, do you have any insights on like what the difference between working for a parachurch organization and a local church are? Yes, you know what? I think about that a lot, Matt, and I appreciate that question. I've really enjoyed the parachurch's church experience. Mm-hmm. Um, both of the organizations that I was in <laughs> were very careful to say, we are not the church. We don't want to take the place of a church. We want to push you toward a church and local church involvement. And so I learned to love the church through those organizations, but there were also things that within the parachurch we weren't called or equipped to do, particularly things like congregational care, their training organizations. And so what's been interesting about working for the church is I have to trust God that he's going to help me to step into needs (laughs) that maybe I would have in the past said, Oh, you should go talk to someone from your church or your pastor about yeah. this. Yeah. And um, they're like, "Oh wait, I am, I am." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, "I would have sent you to me." <laughs> so, so that has required a new type of courage for me and Absolutely. demanded that I grow. And you know, I know that's a healthy thing, but it's also a humbling thing. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's really cool though. I love that. There is a definite difference between the two. And I think in the best days they work hand to hand and, and it's such a, a beautiful experience. But I think as broken people, there's always difficulties mm -hmm. with certain things. And I, I, I love the picture you painted of like, so we were equipped to do these things. And I think a lot of life is like realizing where your lanes are, right? Yeah. Uh, where, where your giftings and the beautiful thing about the church is that your lane may be this one in particular, but then there are other lanes that other people fill who working together, it's just unity. It's beauty. Yes. Yes. And I think one of the cool things about being a pastor at a church or being a director or staff member at a church versus that is bringing in that equipping from other people. Cause I'm getting people who have been equipped by campus ministries for four years. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for that. Like I'm so thankful for that. I, and even BSF now we have folks who are in our congregation who are really involved with that and they get to come bring that beauty back to us mm -hmm. and we get to benefit from that training. And you're an example of that too, is we get to benefit from all the work that you've done and all the learning that you've done there. And so I think it can be an incredibly beautiful partnership. And I think we yep. need to see it that way more than sometimes we do. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of competition in the church and it just really makes me sad most days because it's like, bro, we're like doing this together, right? This is the thing and nobody's trying to take anything from you. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is where it gets exciting for me is that, oh no, we get to see the beauty of both of these coming together and we get to do this together. So I'd like to just say too, that I think for me, what's helped me with that has been remembering that the kingdom is bigger mm. than any of us yeah, can accomplish. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot, or you do training in the business world or in other worlds, you know, about achievable goals, but crazy stinking huge vision yeah. is what Jesus calls us, <laughs> yeah. right? Absolutely. <laughs> and it hopefully it doesn't seem that much, but God-sized, you know, we have to rely on him. And I think that that helps us learn to need each other better. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's this huge vision. Oh, and by the way, you can't do it without me. And without each other. So yes. figure it out uh, kind of thing to, together. So I think that's so great. It's a great question. I think that's what Paul must have been thinking whenever he wrote in 1 Corinthians 12 about the whole body metaphor. Yeah. Yes. It's also like the cord of three strands. Yeah. yeah. It's that idea that like when you weave together multiple things, it becomes stronger as a whole than any one part is on its own. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when we work together as ministries, rather than viewing it like it's a competition, yep. instead it's like we're going to partner with each other. That's when you really get to see that sort of beauty flourish because you bring in outside sources and you get to see it come into your organization and it just enriches everything. Yeah. yeah. It's really fun to see. Well, I've been doing in the wedding services that I've been doing, uh, one of the declaration of intent and all this stuff and you go through it. And then there's one section where I actually make the congregation there, the friends and the family make a vow to say that we will do everything we can to uphold, to encourage and to care for this couple. And I say now in particular, I said, because of the pandemic, we all realized doing this alone is terrible. It's awful. We need each other. We need each other to be around us and we need each other to be with us to help uphold us and care for us and encourage us. I think in this time we've figured out that more and more. And actually, I think that's why it's even in a way watching what you're doing with women's ministry in and of itself of bringing women together is so helpful and so beautiful. I think a lot of us are feeling that in many ways our programs are going 
well, we used to think about these like big picture, big ideas, and now we're just like trying to get people in a room together uh, safely to be able to see each other. It's like ministry went from like super complicated to pretty simple. It's pretty amazing. But I'd love to hear, and I'd love for folks to hear more about kind of what you're doing in women's ministry in regards to like, you could say programmatically. I don't really love the word programmatically, but it is what it is. Uh, it's like what you're doing. How are you getting women together in this regard? Wow, there's so many good things that have been said, and they all seem to fit together so well. I was thinking about how our faith grows. The scripture gives examples of it growing through one friend encouraging another, like the the image of Jonathan and David. And then Paul says, faith comes from hearing the word of truth. So everyone struggles with faith. Um, Our faith can feel weak sometimes. And so I just feel like togetherness or that breast of belonging, that sense of let's connect, let's be together in the ways that God provides for us to, as well as being in the word. Those are the things that are not just good ideas and keep us busy so we don't do bad things, but they're good ideas because they strengthen our faith and help us interact with our lives and do courageous things or fight temptation or whatever, whatever is in our path every day. But I basically am blessed to step into a church where there's a very vibrant love for God's word among the women of our church and a lot of qualified Bible study leaders and teachers who are prayerful and very insightful. And so there are, I think, six or seven different women's Bible study opportunities on a weekly basis at Central. We have weekday, we have weeknight, we're working on you know, long-term maybe offering a Sunday morning option. You can pray for me about that, um, just that I proceed with wisdom because I'm not interested in making people busier, but I want them to feel like they have options that are realistic yeah. for their, yeah. their lives and the growth that God would have them enter into with him and and with this church family. So my job, I basically kind of categorize as the Bible study side of things. And I am teaching a couple things on a weekly basis and helping to facilitate a discussion from one of these Bible studies. They're being led by a lot of other lay persons as well. So that's one category. And I love it. I love teaching. I'm teaching First Peter on Tuesday mornings right now. And wow, talk about a beautiful book. And then another category is what I kind of call event planning. Coming into this role in March, and then I got COVID in April. Uh, And and then coming out of that, I was like, okay, I got to see people. (laughs) And so in May, that led to some planning. And Pam, you were on a team that pulled together and just said, let's just think creatively together about ways we can in this current environment and with the options we have available to us, get women together and we had a series of events this summer that were just very unique and different and I think really appealed to a lot of women. Talk about the sum exceeding the parts. Like, you (laughs) know, we got our brains together and I was just kind of in awe of what God did. But you know, just creating those opportunities for connection and fellowship. You know, now we've got our mind set ahead to a retreat in the winter. knowing that people have plenty of social events on their own (laughs) through the Christmas holidays. And then the third part of women's ministry at Central, and this is a part that I'm just kind of delving into, is the shepherding side and joining in with the congregational care ministry. And Charles Godwin, whom I report to and 
looking for how I can step in and support and encourage those who are involved with shepherding here at the church. Yeah. So I'm still finding my way there. Uh, It was really, really encouraging to see the groups of people that you've pulled together to lead and to speak into sort of the creation of ideas. And I think for me, what was really cool was the spectrum of people that were involved and that came to the events. Because I think it's very easy in any ministry, but I think particularly in something like women's ministry to sort of divide us by like age groups or like moms with young kids or singles or something like that. And to actually intentionally go after creating experiences for women where whether you're young married, whether you're single, whether you're an empty nester, whether you're retired, that there's something for you and that it's been intentionally thought about, that you're welcomed Mm -hmm. into this environment and you can commune with other women and fellowship with them. That was really special to see because Mm -hmm. that's not something that happens all the time. It Mm -hmm. might seem like, I don't know, just do something. Women get together and they talk. (laughs) But it's actually really hard to do something that speaks to such a broad spectrum of people and to make it engaging and also something that they can actually do, that it's accessible to them. And that was really special to see. I just want to say that. That was an answer to prayer. I mean, (laughs) and um, the insight of a lot of people teaming up together. Oh my gosh, yes. It was such a good team of people. (laughs) That's actually a really helpful insight because you said you're talking about a large group of people. You're literally talking about half the population, yes. <laughs> but it's also half the population that I'm not a part of. So um, what exactly does ministry specifically to women look like in your role? It looks like a lot of food. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no actually, um, we didn't have, well, we did have food and everything, didn't we? we Julie did. Krause we did. and I, you know, we both love food. Um, what does it look like? Well, I will say before I answer that question, that we did have a couple husbands that were asking to come to the backyard <laughs> concert because yes. it like sounded so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really sorry, um, but we did have a very special time. It's an opportunity for women. Diversity looks like so many different things, mm-hmm. and really, diversity happens when there's six of any given people because we're all different, right? But it can be generational diversity, it can be life experience diversity, and of course we long for complete diversity in all its forms, and you know, I would love more internationals at our church and, you know, minorities and everything else, you know, just to us to embrace that whenever we can, but to value it in its different forms. And I think that, you know, Jesus said, you will be known by your love for one another, and maybe sometimes ministry can become overcomplicated You know, we need to hear God's word, but sometimes we just need to know that we're loved. Mm -hmm. And I do think, you know, thinking about this year's mission, the specific focus on belonging is really tapping into that, that we can sometimes be so involved in teaching and learning and investigating and forming opinions about things. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, that's nothing if I don't love (laughs) my brother or my sister. So women's ministry is not because we don't love the brothers. (laughs) No, absolutely. But just for depth, deepening relationship, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think so many women 
spend a lot of their time caring for other people, mm-hmm. whether it's kids, whether it's family, whether it's, you know, friends. And to have an environment where you can come and be known and cared for yourself, mm-hmm. I think is really special. Yeah and important it's an important part of the body of christ is to be known and cared for and i think that's sometimes beneficial in mixed groups but it's also beneficial to have spaces where you're amongst people who you can say something and everyone at the table will be like i completely understand absolutely yeah Yeah. it's important to have spaces where you are just encouraged and kind of filled up to go out and do the work i mean i think this is where our view of the lord's supper is really encouraging for me in that is that if we started viewing that moment that sacrament as the moment where we are uh, strengthened to go back out into the world right this is the moment where we're i mean everybody eats to be able to some people eat to be able to eat again i guess later but like we eat so that we have the energy we have the ability to continue our day and then we have to eat again because that's the nature of who we are but like the body and the blood and the table of the Lord is that moment where we are, okay, it's been a week. You know, for some of it's been a war zone. For some of it's been a sad, depressing. Some of it's been great and all of this, but it's been a week and we need help to go to the next week. And there's that. And then even the, um, like I always think of a picture of the Jesus talking to Peter and he tells him, you know, do you love me? Do you love me? All those times, right? He's, he's talking through it. And then he goes, all right, then go strengthen the brothers. Mm-hmm. Go do the work of that. And that doesn't just mean, you know, dudes, right? Like it means go strengthen the body of Christ in that regard. And and actually the word used there is this kind of image of lifting each other's arms while you're walking, like you're tired, you're exhausted, you're limping and you're carrying that other person Mm -hmm. underneath, you know, their arm is over your shoulder and you're walking together to make life look like that. And I think, you know, it's beautiful to be able to do that. All of us need that. All of us need that Mm -hmm. space, man, woman, child, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I appreciate that answer because I think it's utterly true and who we are i think maturity is getting to the place in life where we realize that we don't get to a place in life where we no longer need absolutely (laughs) i know that was a very convoluted thing to say (laughs) profound (laughs) yeah we have handheld mics right there that's whenever you were just wrong yeah we don't we don't have them anymore they're gone uh yeah yeah well Thanks again for hanging out with us and sharing more about your story and, and you know, what you love about Central and, and kind of just what you're doing here and kind of getting your feet wet again. Yeah. Into the, back a second the time. Yeah, congrats. You're back for your second tour. Let me say Clay. Clay came back for his second tour five years ago. But we're thankful for the work you do. We're thankful for the ministry you do. And we're grateful that you're with us and that we get to do this together. Um, maybe the last question I have, um, you know, what are you most excited about? coming up yeah i can come up and schedule or whatever but like what is it most exciting these days for you that gets you up in the morning so that you can do this work this is hard I mean, this is a hard season for all of us mm-hmm. in whatever vocation we're in whatever familial situation we're in whatever it's been difficult so what excites you what gets you up in the morning to kind of keep on keeping on right like to push through or to get excited about Well, I've never had a season where I was technically in three Bible studies at the same time, plus a sermon series. And I was telling someone, I feel like I'm just being really washed with God's word Mm. because it's really wonderful. When you're in God's word, there's something that I think God's spirit does, and that is he renews your mind. In my case, I think that I am recognizing through God's word that people really can be changed 
by Jesus that we're not just building good habits to live a good life. And that's why I was telling you guys before we started recording that I really love this word transformation because I think that as someone in my 50s, life can make you really cynical and you can start having your prayers shaped by realistic expectations. And the scripture speaks of something much maybe not according to our time frame. And sometimes there's a lot of waiting, but that doesn't mean that God is less powerful. And I'm just so excited about seeing the working out of God's word and the knowledge that we receive so abundantly here at Central into our daily lives. You know, what does that look like? It looks like humility a lot and repentance. I have embarrassed conversations with my kids often my emerging young adult kids because I'm like oh you're right I'm like worrying about something that's not for me to worry about or you know I'm pressuring you about something I mean I repent often in other words and it's really awkward but I believe that that's the path of life I don't get to a place where I have all the answers I get to a place where I know the Lord and I retain my hope and of course we're talking a lot about living hope in first Peter. So I think that's on my mind, but, but what excites me is this is more than just an information dump. This is a place where we can really see the power of God. And I believe that. And I feel like I'm seeing it in my life. And, you know, I think we have a lot to look forward to. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's a, the mic drop moment. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Julie just preached for a second, so we're feeling all right. Uh, thank you again for being with us. My pleasure. Yeah. I love talking about God. Yeah. There you <laughs> it's go. great. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to do this again. So. Talk Kazakhstan and. Oh, yeah. All yes. stuff. Chat all things. You're but, making the coffee. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm here for that. But yeah. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for those who are listening for hanging in with us, and uh, we will catch you next time. Thanks for being with us today. It's good to be together. If you want to find out more about Central Prez, uh, please go to our website at centralprez.com or find us on all the social media things with the handle at CPCSTL. Join us next time as we continue to learn and grow together uh, into the family of God. Blessings, friends.